2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. You're there with me. Bible says, do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle, our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. Such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter killeth, the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness, Father, we again are so thankful that we can come before the throne of grace. And Lord, we just ask for the guidance of your Holy Spirit here this morning. That Lord, if your word is spoken, Lord, as we look into these things here this morning and we see the glory that you have for your church, pray, Lord, that your, your hand of blessing would be upon all that's said and done. Pray, Lord, that each of us would go forth from here in the Spirit, Lord, plainly giving the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I just ask now that your hand, your spirit, uh, Lord, be in control in everything that's said and done here this morning. That, Lord, you might be glorified here and now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, when we look at this, uh, the real epistle of God, we see here in the, in, in the first part, uh, first couple of two, three verses here in verse 2 and 3, the Apostle Paul, he, he says in verse 1, listen, I, I'm not commending myself to you, we're not commending ourselves to you, we don't need to be commended by you. You know, uh, sometimes people take offense at those types of things, but but Paul was saying, listen, uh, we serve in the gospel ministry and our commendation doesn't come from man, it comes from God. And listen, as we speak the truth of the word of God and as we witness to other people with the word of God, it's not that we need to have someone else say, hey, they know how to preach or they know what they're doing. 
what we need is we need the Spirit of God that, that not only indwells us, but leads us to say the things that God wants us to say. And Paul here says, listen, I, I don't need a commendation. We're not commending ourselves to you. Uh, and and we, we don't need others uh, as others that epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you. Now, to start off and, and say that to the, to the church here, the church might be, be thinking, you know, well, that's pretty rude. Well, that's a pretty rude thing to say, but, but Paul is saying, listen, our focus isn't on what man has to say about us. It's what God has to say to us. And so Paul, is he's, he's speaking here or writing, he says in verse 2, now, if he stops in verse 1, they're probably thinking, well, that's pretty abrupt and short, and, and, and he's not being very flattering there. But then he says in verse 2 this, ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Now you think about that for just a minute. Paul was talking to the church, and he said, listen, people are going to think of us as they see you. Think about that. People are going to think of the Carrollton Baptist Temple, what they see in you, what they see in me. And if they see someone who doesn't have uh, the compassion or the time or not willing to put forth the effort uh, to, to help someone out or to to get, take the time to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ, if they don't see that attitude in us, then that, what they see in us, is what they believe about the church. You know, I've, uh, of course, I've been here uh, almost 18 years at this point doesn't seem possible uh, but in almost eight, 18 years I, I've talked to people in the community and you know it's amazing how many times I've been told that our church believes something that I never knew we believed uh, I've, I've talked to people and they say oh yeah that's the church that believes this <laughs> last I knew <laughs> and and you know but someone I want you to understand this they got that viewpoint from watching someone in this church I don't know when don't know where but they believed something about this church because of what they saw in someone that came to this church. So let me ask you a question here this morning, folks. What are people going to believe about your church 
because they've watched your life. What are people going to believe about your God because they've seen what you believe about your God? What are they going to believe about your Savior because they've seen what you believe about your Savior? See, it's it's not a matter. Paul says, listen, I we don't need the commendation of people to do our ministry. But he said, listen, as we've witnessed to you and as we've taught you and as 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 we've uh, we've discipled you in the truth of God's word. You are our epistle. To those that we want to talk to. Listen. If your testimony before others in the community is such. That they don't want anything to do with you. Then the next time somebody from this church knocks on their door. Says hey I'm from the Carrollton Baptist Temple. You know what you're gonna, we're going to hear? We're going to hear. We don't want anything to do with you. See, Paul said to this church, by the way, this is a church that he spent a huge letter in 1 Corinthians correcting. They were, they were doing all kinds of things that, that, that weren't necessarily what they were supposed to be doing. And now he's, he's, he's here in 2 Corinthians. They've obviously adjusted their behavior somewhat. And he says, listen, you are our epistle. You are our epistle. It's not uh, the fact that we need commendation from you, but ye are our epistle written in our hearts. He said, listen, we, we, we can look at the progress that you've made and we can be encouraged thereby. And then he says there that, Known and read of all men. Known and read of all men. So what we show to others is what they're going to believe uh, about the ministry that we're in. But he goes on here and he says uh, in, in verse 3, For as much as ye are manifestly declared by us, Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. He says, listen, we're not, we're not dealing this, this epistle that is being read by others. is not being read like we open a book. Now, how many, this may be a bad question to ask, but how many in here have written their own biography? autobiography, okay? Uh, as far as I know, nobody in here has written their autobiography. And yet, and yet, you have. You've written it by your actions. You've written it by your attitudes. And you've written it by your words that you've spoken to other people. You've written your autobiography just as surely 
as if you took a pen and a paper and you wrote it out. Each of us does that day after day after day. We add another chapter to our autobiography. And it's read by everyone around us. It is. The question is this. He says, listen, with the spirit of the living God. How is our spirit in that? See, it's not the law. It's the spirit. It's not the law. The law was written on tables of stone. The law was written uh, in on scrolls. The law was read. The law was, he, he says, it's not, it's not the law. Uh, this epistle is not the law. It's not what's written down. Uh, but it's the spirit of God that moves and works in us and through us to touch others' lives. Paul said, you're our epistle. You are the one that is going to show others what we teach. It's not the, uh, not the law, but the Spirit. And a change that can be seen in others. Think about this. The church that he's writing to. The church that he's writing to, he had to write over and over and over in 1 Corinthians the things uh, that, that needed to be taken care of. He spent 16 chapters in 1 Corinthians. He spent 16 chapters going over the things that they needed to change. And now here he is in 2 Corinthians as he's writing this letter. He's saying, listen, you've made some changes. And it's going to be apparent to people that you've made changes in your life. Now be the witness so that people understand where those changes came from. That it's not a matter of following uh, a, a set of, of laws, but it's a matter of wanting to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with your heart. Paul says here, listen, it's, it, it's, not, it's in the fleshy tables of the heart. He says, in such trust have we through Christ godliness. Then he says this in verse 5. Says, you say, well, pastor, you know, I, we, we, we look at this and and yes, there should be a change in our life. And, but, you know, life is hard. It is. Life is hard. Circumstances come up. And we're not always going to react the way we should. And that's true. We don't always react the way we should react. But overall in our life, as people watch us, are we showing the love of Christ through our actions and our reactions? And Paul here says this in verse 5, if you think you're doing that, realize that you cannot do that consistently on your own. Can't be done. Verse 5, he says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, 
but our sufficiency is in God. Listen, we can come up here this afternoon uh, and, and we can get on our knees at the altar and we can make a decision. I'm going to serve God and I'm going to be the right type of witness and I'm going to show others uh, what true Christian love is and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And, and we can do that over and over and over. And if we're doing it in our own strength, eventually we're going to fail. But Paul says here, listen, our sufficiency isn't in ourselves. We can't do it on our own, but we can do it through him. Our sufficiency is in God. God is going to give us the supply that we need. He's going to give us the grace that we need. He's going to give us uh, the compassion that we need. He is going to give us the supply that we need to get through every circumstance. And as he does that, and as we react with the right spirit, we become that epistle that people look at and say, there's a difference there. There's something in their life that is different, and there's a change that needs to be made in mine as a result. And here, uh, Paul is saying, listen, you're the epistle. He goes on and he says, listen, the sufficiency, our sufficiency is in God. And then he says, listen, as our sufficiency in, is in God, he's made us some things. He's made us ministers, if you will. He's, he's given us his grace uh, to be servers of God's grace. In verse 6, he says, who also have made us able ministers of the New Testament. Able ministers of the New Testament. Servers, if you will, of the grace of God. That's what we are called to do. If we know Jesus Christ is our personal Savior, we are called to be not just ministers, but able ministers of God's grace in the gospel. The New Testament, he says. New Testament in his blood. And we are to be able ministers. We are servers of God's grace. And, and, and he goes on there in verse 6, and he, he says, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. The knowledge of sin came by what? According to Scripture. By the law. That's the letter he's talking about there. And when the knowledge of sin comes, then, then death has come by the law. And, and what he's saying there. Is he saying, listen, but life, the Spirit giveth life. And the gospel, the New Testament, as we are made ministers, as we are made servers of the New Testament, as we give the gospel, new life is going to come. And so, Paul here is saying, listen, the, the law convicts of sin. The law convicts of sin. Listen, how many, and I, and I know 
and, and I don't want to see a show of hands here this morning, but I know as you read through the books of the law, I mean, once you get past uh, Genesis and, and you get into Exodus and you get through kind of uh, the, the accounts of, of God bringing the people out of Egypt and you get into Leviticus, and you start reading law after law after law after law after law. Sometimes it's easy for us to say, well, I'm going to skip over that part. Okay? Um, and we look at that, and we say, if, if you stop and you consider the law, and you consider how God gave the laws, and as he gave the law, after almost every one, when he says, you, you know, you, you, you don't do this. You don't do this, and you don't do this. But after each one of those, he also gives a penalty for those things. He gives a penalty for those things. And the law convicts us of sin. The law is one of those things where you look at it and you've done it. If you, if you, if you speed on the highway and you get a ticket, what do you have to do? You have to pay it, right? If you stand before the judge and, and, and you have stolen money and, and you're standing before the judge and he says you are guilty of this crime. There's a penalty for that, isn't it? Isn't there? Usually you're going to wind up spending some time in jail or some time in prison because the law convicts of sin and it gives a penalty. But we are made, by the way, it's necessary for us to know that. There's the wages of sin is Okay. There's a penalty for doing the wrong thing. But we are made able ministers of the grace of the New Testament. And the grace, law convicts of sin, but grace, or the spirit, if you will, pardons from sin. Grace pardons from sin. Listen, when we talk to somebody about salvation, what are we telling them? We are telling them that they can have their sins forgiven. They can have the grace of God and a home in heaven. They can have it not because they're paying the penalty, but because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for them. And so as we are talking about this, the difference between the, the law, the letter, and the spirit, one convicts, the other pardons. Listen, folks. Too many times, we as Christians forget that we are not ministers of the law. 
for your ministry to grow. See, too many times we as Christians, we look at someone that's doing wrong. And our first thought is, we need to correct them. We, we need to convict them of what they're doing. Listen, I'm as guilty as anyone here. I look at some of the things that take place in the news and I think, man, they need to pay for that. They need to pay for that. But as Christians, we're supposed to be ministers of the grace of God. We're supposed to be telling folks, listen, what, by the way, we're not supposed to tell them that they're okay. Okay? doesn't say anywhere in Scripture that the Christian is supposed to look at someone who is deep in sin and say, you're okay. Because they're not. But what we are supposed to do is we're supposed to tell them, listen, that behavior, God has condemned that behavior, God has condemned those actions, and as a result, if you don't get His pardon in your life, you're going to have to pay for those sins on your own. And so we are to be ministers of the grace of God. We are supposed to have the Spirit of God working through us to minister that grace to others. And then, if you look down in verse eight, uh, verse 7 with me, you're... By the way, he says, the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life in verse 6. In verse 7, it says, but if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses. And I'll stop right there and just give the background on that. Moses went up and he received the law from God. And as he was in the presence of God, and God was writing those stones, the glory of God shone in Moses' face. Some of the glory of God shone in Moses' face. So much so that the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, could not look at Moses, and he had to put a veil on his face because they couldn't, they couldn't handle the glow that was coming off of him. Paul here says, listen, if the glory of the giving of the law was that much, how much greater is the glory of the Spirit? How much greater is that? We are called, by the way, to a glorious calling. He says, they couldn't behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of the condemnation of the righteousness of righteousness exceeding glory, I'm sorry, I messed that all up. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth a ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Listen, if what causes death, if what causes uh, punishment 
one's glory uh, in, in Moses' day, how much more so than being able to tell someone that they can have a home in heaven, that they can have fellowship with God, that they can have their sins forgiven. How much more glorious is that? And Paul is, is speaking to the church here, and he says, listen, you, you are our epistle. You have a calling, and that calling is more glorious than any fleshly calling. And, and, and he, he says to them here, listen, it's much greater than the law. It says, for if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Then he says in verse 12, and I think this is where we get hung up a lot as Christians. You know, we, we spend, and we should, don't get me wrong, but we spend hours and hours and hours in study. And we get to where we, we've gone through all the theology classes and, and, and we've learned all the big terminology and we have all of those things so we can sound sophisticated, right? And we make it so complicated that people can't understand what we're talking about. And Paul says to this church, he says, seeing then that we have such hope. Let's stop there. Let me ask you a question. Do you have that hope this morning? Do you have that hope? Not the the. Well, I sure hope so, but the hope, the assurance that you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. The assurance that you know that your sins are forgiven. The assurance that you know that you have a home in heaven. Do you have that this morning? If you don't, if you don't, you can have it. You can have it. Because this church is here to minister the grace of the New Testament. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, doubting nothing, but believe that He died for your sins and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And you ask Him to forgive your sin and save your soul. He's promised to do that. That's the grace that we are ministers of here this morning. And he says there in verse 12, seeing then that we have such hope. If you're here this morning, you can say, like many of you answered just a moment ago, I have that hope. I have that assurance. I have all of those things. Then the rest of these verses, there for you. It says this, we use great plainness of speech. We use great plainness of speech. Paul was a highly educated man. Very highly educated man. 
He grew up at the feet of Gamaliel. He studied with royalty. He knew the word. And he said, we use plain of speech. I can remember sitting in a church service years ago. Did you? Years ago, I remember sitting in a church service and, and there was a speaker up in the, uh, the pulpit and, and I was listening to him and I had just gone through uh, Bible college and, and I, I understood the words that he was saying. And I was sitting there, and there was probably, I don't know, 200, 250 people in the room. And I was sitting, oh, being a good Baptist, I was probably in the back third of the auditorium. And I can remember during the service as I'm listening to him speak, and I I was following along. I can remember I stopped and I, I, I looked around. I, I wasn't speaking. I was, I was just looking around. I was listening. And, and I was looking around. And you know the look that I saw on about 80% of the faces in the auditorium? They had no clue what he was talking about. He was saying right things. What he was saying wasn't wrong at all. But he wasn't saying it in such a way that they could understand it. And I thought about that, and I thought about that, and I thought about it, and I thought, that's not what we're supposed to do. We are not supposed to take the gospel and make it complicated. We're just supposed to take the gospel and make it known really simple. Paul said we use plain speech. Listen, folks. People will listen to you if you give them the gospel plainly and simply. If you've been the right kind of epistle. Listen, you want our church to have the right reputation in the community? Our reputation is only going to be what the people see in us. That's it. We are that epistle. You know, we put literature on every door every year. And we can write anything we want in that literature. And the gospel is always included. And you know, over and over and over and over, occasionally we'll see a result or two. But I believe a lot of the reasons we don't is because the people are not seeing the epistle in us. We need to quit complicating it. God's given us the ministry of the New Testament. 
and Paul said we just need to make it plain and simple so that people can understand. And we need the epistle, need to be the epistle that goes out for people to know.